Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. The mercy gifting. Now, I'll go ahead and say a few comments. Just keep your hand up until you're all served. I'm just going to share just a couple of thoughts here while you're being served and before we get into these questions. uh, The Word tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7, very specific what, what we are and what God puts into our hearts. Is everybody served? Everybody? All right, we're good. So let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians 4. It says here, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Someone say, I am a vessel. We are vessels. Uh, And the Word of God tells us that He puts things into our heart. The moment that we give our life to Christ, God uh, deposits uh, His Spirit into our lives. And then later on as we continue to grow in God and, and realize who we are in, in God and our destiny and our purpose, which can only be found in God, uh, he, then we ask for more. We ask for the Holy Spirit. And he uh, pours his Holy Spirit in on, uh, on us. And not only that, but God uh, puts motivational giftings. He puts giftings in our lives. And we are going to be held accountable for everything that God has given us and what we did with it. So this is something that's really important for us. There's several reasons why it's important for us to know what our motivational gift is. And one of those is to understand ourselves better. Let me ask you this. How many of you, have you gone, as you've gone through this series, you have found out what your motivational gift is? Raise your hand. Yeah, several. And... How many of you along the way, you've started to learn and understand a little bit more about yourself, why you respond the way that you respond, why you do uh, things that you do as, as you look into these, uh, these giftings? We understand ourselves a little bit better, but not only that, we understand the people that we serve with better. Uh, some of us get to understand our spouses better as we're going through these, these motivational gifts you're you're like, oh, well, that's why my spouse does that. Why? That's why she's passionate about this. That's why they respond this way. We start to understand uh, ourselves and those around us better. We are a community of believers, and we all have a part that we, uh, that we get to play in the kingdom of God. And when we understand our giftings, what God has put in our hearts, It really does help us understand where we're going to grow best in ministry, in moments of being able to serve. You with me? Say amen. Amen. All right. So uh, let's let's dive right into these these questions. And some I'll comment on, some we'll just pass on. But 
uh, as we get into this, you, you, you know the drill already. You, you mark off uh, what best applies to you in this, in this gifting. Let me ask you this. How many of you already know that you have the gift of mercy? Raise your hand. Amen. We need you, people. We love you. Uh, we need all <laughs> of, uh, uh, of the body of Christ and all those uh, motivational gifts operating because we work together. All right, so number one, the person with the mercy gift has an ability to sense genuine love and a greater vulnerability to deeper and more frequent hurts from the lack of love. So John is one of the examples that we are going to be using uh, in, uh, during this, this uh, teaching today. John had this motivational gift uh, of mercy, and we see it in the way that he, uh, he wrote in his, in his books, in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the book of John, his teachings, his personal relationships illustrate that his primary focus was, was one of love. He's the, uh, the disciple that used love more than any other disciple in his writings. So as you go through this, you just mark yourself there uh, what, what applies to you, all right? So number two, a need for deep friendships in which there is mutual commitment. Uh, folks with the mercy gift, they want to know that the person they're in relationship with in friendship and in, in, in any relationship with, they are equally committed to them as they are to that person. John established this, this relationship with Christ, with Peter, and he often referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. All right, number three, a tendency uh, to react harshly when intimate friends are rejected. This one uh, this one's really good. Uh, that, and I'll tell you, years ago, when I took these uh, these tests, these little, you know, motivational gifting assessments. All right, I remember Mark coming in really high on mercy, and then my second gifting was serving, and I remember that that was that was it. So I I understand this heart of mercy. I want to say this as well that these giftings they ebb and flow. All right, and we as believers, we're, we're supposed to be growing, yes? So our giftings will grow as well. And as far as the ebb and flow goes, uh, there'll be seasons that you'll be strong in, in, in a gift, and then they'll, that season will come and go, and then you'll see that one will diminish a little bit, and other giftings will, will grow. And like right now, as I did these uh, this time around, I uh, came in as an exhorter, number one, and then uh, administrator, and then mercy. So this mercy gift, uh, John and James, they got offended. Uh, Christ was going from place to place, uh, ministering, uh, healing, and in Luke 9.54, we see uh, we see where John and James, and John being part of this and, and having this mercy gift, got super offended when, uh, when Christ uh, was rejected. So let's look at Luke 9, 54. It says this, And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? 
I would say that they got offended if they're wanting to call down fire because Jesus was rejected from coming into one of the Samaritan cities. I can see that. I don't know if you've been following The Chosen. The, 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 it's just beautiful the way they've portrayed Christ. But, uh, but in this, we see John and James turning to Jesus and saying, uh, should we call down fire and just, let's just eliminate them all. And Jesus turns to him and says, I came to bring life, not to uh, bring death. People with the mercy gift get offended when someone they love is rejected. All right, number four. Uh, a greater concern over mental and emotional joy or distress than physical concerns. And I'll put it to you this way. John, he wrote... Uh, to give his readers joy, fellowship, hope, confidence, to cast out fear and torment. But uh, folks with the uh, motivational gift of mercy, they are more concerned about the emotional well-being, the mental well-being of people uh, than necessarily the physical. And I kind of put it to you this way. You can break a bone, and you can have a scar, and it can be reset, and it can heal. Most scars, most injuries like that will heal. And when they heal well, you tend to forget about it after a time. Yes? Emotional scars, emotional wounds, mental wounds, they can last a long time. If not taken to Christ, they can linger and they can linger into the next generation. Uh, so that's, that's why for the person with the motivational gift, they're really concerned about the emotional well-being uh, and the mental well-being of people. Meeting a physical needs proves love in the eyes of the person with the mercy gift. Look at 1 John 3, 17. It says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? John is saying here, you see a need and you're able to meet the need and you don't meet the need, how can you say you love God? That's what he's saying. So meeting physical needs proves love. I know we have, uh, uh, we have different love languages and, and all that, but just because your love language is not one of of, of receiving gifts where you don't recognize that someone that serves you is showing love doesn't mean, it doesn't invalidate that, uh, that action of love. Amen? Uh, so it, me, it, it shows physical uh, needs being met shows loved in the eyes of the person with the motivational gift. All right, number five. A tendency to attract people who are having mental and emotional distress. Now, that sounds uh, interesting, but what it's, it's talking about here is that because of, of a person with the motivational gift of mercy, because of their approachability and their love and their understanding and acceptance of people, it makes it easier for people to confide in them, okay? So mark that on your paper, which one applies to you, never, seldom, sometimes, always, even Jesus confided in John during the Last Supper. We see here in John 13, verse 23, says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. 
Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, confided in him, said, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. So we see here this picture of intimacy. Uh, John leaning into uh, Jesus' bosom and saying, Tell me, Lord, who is it? Who, who's the one that's going to betray you? And Jesus confides in him. John, he sought the very closest place to Christ. So number six on your sheet there, a need to measure acceptance by physical closeness and quality time together. And that's why John always wanted to be close to Jesus and was the one leaning up on, on him during, uh, during that last supper. Okay, number seven. We can't linger too long on all these, so I'll, I'll touch on, on uh, make some commentary on some of them, but some will just keep moving. Number seven, a desire to remove the cause of hurts rather than to look for benefits from them. This is a really good one uh, because folks with the mercy gift, they just want to remove pain. They want to help people. They, want, they don't want people to hurt. So they want to do whatever they can to relieve the pain that that person's going through. The thing is, though, uh, that doesn't always help, right? Because the Word of God tells us in James 1, 2 through 4, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see that? <laughs> we get to the point of lacking nothing and being perfect when we endure and grow through trials. I didn't expect a big amen on that because no one likes to go through trials. But if we don't, if we don't walk through these trials, we don't learn what God is trying to bring out in us, right? I love my kids, love them. And I don't want them ever to, uh, to get hurt, ever. But I can't shield them. I can't put them in a bubble. I can't pack them down with, like, pillows and let them run around the house. They're kids. I mean, Judah is eight, and the twins are going to be five in August, going on 15 because they want to tell me how to drive. Back, why are you going this way, Dad? I'm like, how old are you? Shh, where are you? you're going to side seat drive already, and there's like two of them. Not that way, Dad. Why, why are you? But with our kids, we, we have to let them go through their trials. My wife and I will be like... Don't jump over the couch like that because you can get hurt. They all think they're acrobats. Um, all boys, it's like, you know, they just have fun. Uh, don't jump over the couch like that. You're going to hurt yourself. Could we go and stop them and be like, and, but you know what? Sometimes I'm like, okay, let's see how this ends. 
And boom, something will happen. I'll be like, that's why daddy said, just listen to, listen to dad. Okay, but sometimes they, we have to let them fall so they can experience and learn what needs to be learned in that moment, which is listen to dad. Listen to mom. Don't fly over the couch like you're a ninja because you're not. If we were to take the pain away from everybody that we loved, they wouldn't grow up. They wouldn't grow. All right, number eight. A tendency to avoid decisions and firmness until they will eliminate uh, greater hurts. So John, we see that John was a follower, a somewhat meek follower, until it came to uh, being pressured to deny Christ. And then he changed. Then he got firm. Then he got strong. And we see in Acts 4, uh, 13, 19, and 20, some verses here. Let's look at that. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. And that next verse, verse 20, is not coming up, but that's okay. There it is. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What's going on here? They were being pressured to deny Christ. And, and John steps up and gets bold. And I like that verse where, uh, where it says, they realized that these men had been with Christ. They realized by this boldness that they had. And my prayer for all of us is that people will see that we have been with Christ. That we've been in fellowship and connected to Christ. There's something about that person. Boy, it should be our prayer. Amen. He was the only disciple, again, uh, at the cross that was mentioned. He was there as Jesus was being crucified and was ready to help to eliminate hurt even there in this traumatic moment. Jesus is being crucified. His mother is there and John is there. And we, we hear the words of Jesus giving instruction to John. Look at John 19, verse 26 and 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. So here John, in the midst of this, this horrific scene, Jesus gives him instruction, and he is still wanting to operate in this mercy gift and take Mary under his wing into his house to, uh, to take care of her. Remember, Joseph was gone by this time, and Jesus was taking care of his mother. And now Jesus passes on that care to John, and John steps up, says, from this point on, you're going to come into my house, relieving pain. All right, number nine, a tendency to be attracted to those with the motivational gift of prophecy or of the perceiver. As I was going through this, I was like, hey, my wife's a perceiver. Look at that. I love it. 
John spent more time with, uh, with Peter than with, uh, than with any other disciple. So those with the motivational gift of mercy, you find yourself attracted to the perceiver. I think that's important uh, because a perceiver is really straightforward, kind of like Latinos say rajatabla, <laughs> which in English means like boom, they're just, you know, straight to the point, you know, no, uh, just black and white. And that's important because the person with the mercy gift can be a little bit soft. So you get a perceiver and, uh, together with a mercy gift and they help each other. There's this balance because the perceiver needs to get a little bit softer and the one with the mercy gift does need to toughen up a little bit. Beautiful how God works all this out. All right, number 10. Always looks for the good in people. I like this one. People with the gift of mercy are non-critical. Amen? Lord, we live in a time that people are just criticizing each other left and right. The world is, is just, it's bent towards that. Uh, and you know that the Word of God tells us that people will know that we are His disciples by the way that we love one another. Right? So people with the gift of mercy are non-critical. It's almost like if they've got these built-in blinders that keep them from seeing the bad in others. And that's, that's beautiful. But without maturity, it can be a problem. So we're going to get to that on the back side of this paper in just a little bit. Their focus, though, remains on the good, the real, uh, both real and the potential of this person. They don't want to hear others talk about negatives in people. If you've ever been around someone that just speaks a lot, a lot of negative, you, you know you want to probably depart from that person kind of quickly. When someone's just negative and just speaking bad, that's your opportunity to pray for them and say, what is really going on? Let's, let's go to the Lord with this because why, why are you so negative all the time? Why are you speaking negative about we're supposed to speak life into people, not death, Right? Okay, number 11, uh, is motivated to help people to have right, relationship, uh, right relationships with one another. So the mercy person, uh, they grieve over broken relationships. They are peacemakers. They want families to get along. They want the body of Christ to get along uh, with each other. They, wanted, they want to see unity, people functioning in love. And they love Jesus' prayer in John 17. And we're not going to turn there. I'll just paraphrase. But it's, it's that those verses where Jesus is, is praying really for us. And he's saying, I pray, Father, that they will be one and they will be as, as one as you and I are one. That, and that they'll be one in us and we in them. And it's this picture of, of closeness. Don't tell me that God the Father doesn't want to have an intimate relationship with us. He does. And Jesus prayed specifically that they will be one as you and I, Father, are one. And then we'll be one in them. Number 12, uh, this person takes care with words and actions to avoid hurting others. The last, per the last thing a person with the gift of mercy wants to do is be the cause of hurt to another person. Therefore, they're, they're careful about their action, their, their speech. 
They don't want to bring pain. They want to relieve pain. So they'll be very careful with the way they speak, the way they talk. People with the mercy gift sometimes have a hard time sending back food that's not quite right at the restaurant because you don't want to hurt the person that just prepared it. And that so happened to me today. But thank God I was with somebody that I asked, I'm like, how's that working out for you? And they, we ordered the same thing. He's like, yeah, I don't like it very much. I'm going to send it back. I'm like, oh, okay, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> you do the talking. And then I was like, I hope this doesn't work its way into the message tonight. And it did. <laughs> I'm glad he was there. Oh, Lord. All right, number 13. Easily detects insincerity or wrong motives. This is a good one. Uh, the, the person with the mercy gift can detect when someone's not being sincere. They don't like that. They, they can pick up and, uh, on ulterior motives, and they will back up from a, a person or a group if they are picking up some kind of insincerity. Number 14, loves to do thoughtful things for others. So people with the mercy gift, they're thinking about birthdays and anniversaries, and they're thinking about ways just to speak life, ways to just bless somebody, uh, to uh, leave, send cards or notes. Their thoughtfulness really extends to every relationship. Some of you are saying, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm a mercy gift person. Some of you are like, I'm so not a mercy gift person. That's okay. We need, we, we need every, every person with every gifting. There's a reason for that. Number 15. A person with a mercy gift is trusting and trustworthy. And because of this, they expect others to be trustworthy as well. So they, they assume that everybody is going to be honest and reliable until proven otherwise. And this one, way back in the day, it, it caught me off guard because I, I had mercy gift operating. I always thought the best and was like, yes, this is going to be fantastic. And then, but that kind of blinded me to some things that I should have picked up on. And later on, I was like, ah, I needed to grow up in that a little bit more because that, that ended up uh, going sideways. All right, number 16, uh, a person with a mercy gift avoids conflict and confrontations. This is, this is a, a big deal, and, and with maturity comes balance, really, uh, because uh, it's important for us to be able to have those confrontational moments, especially if it's called for. Uh, I think we need to confront in love, uh, but... Compassion, people find it difficult to cope with conflict. They, since they long for peace and harmony in the home and in relationships, they don't want to confront people. And they'll hint that they're not happy about something, but uh, unlike the perceiver or the exhorter that goes straight to it and says, I'm not happy about this, a person with the mercy gift kind of tiptoes around and kind of hints at it. Uh, quite a while back, there was someone that... Um, I had somebody that was doing some work for me, um, and, and it started kind of like their work started slacking a little bit, and me not being a confrontational person, 
I didn't want to really confront them about it. And so, you know, a, a few weeks turned into a few months until I got really frustrated. And then I was like, okay, I, I got to say something. And I went to go talk to that person. And I said, look, um, I'm glad you're here. Love you. But the, the work is kind of starting to lack a little bit. And it, it's not really what we're needing and that person turns to me and says, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I haven't been, my heart hasn't been in this for a while. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to stop, but I didn't know how to come and talk to you about it. I'm like, I should have so done this like four months ago. <laughs> it's important for us in love to confront those moments. It's okay. They need to grow. We need to grow. Amen? All right, number 17. Uh, a person with the mercy gift doesn't like to be rushed in a job or activity. So they tend to move ahead slowly, but they, they, uh, they will move forward. They just don't like to be rushed. So given a job to do, they'll finish it, not necessarily on schedule, which needs to, some balance needs to be brought into that because if there's a deadline, you got to hit your deadline. But uh, some, in a way, time isn't that important to them as much as the project itself and getting it done. All right, number 18 uh, is typically cheerful and joyful. Most mercy gift people are very happy and joyful, and you like to be around them. Why is it important for us to know the giftings that are in our brothers and sisters? Because there's going to be days that you're going to have a bad day. And you know who you want to go find? Someone with the gift of exhortation. Lift you up. There's been days that it's just rough days, and I'm like, man, I need an exhorter in my life right now. And I will pick up a, 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 the phone and call an exhorter, be like, hey, can we do lunch? Because I know, or, or a person of mercy, because uh, I know that when I leave that, that conversation, when I leave that meeting, I, I'm going to feel better. It's not all about me, but you know what? We go to the people uh, that, that are going to help us through. Sometimes we need a teacher in our life to, to help us if, we're not, if that's not our gifting. We don't like to do a lot of research. Well, get, in, get a teacher involved that likes to do research. You work together. Okay. Uh, number 19. The mercy person is ruled by the heart rather than the head. So the heart plays this major role in the life of the mercy person. They lead with their heart. And that's a beautiful attribute. But again, that can get us into trouble uh, because we have to have balance. have to have maturity. Their heart is the channel through which they share God's uh, love with others. They rely on emotions rather than mental processes to guide their life. So we understand that we cannot just lead with the heart all the time. We need to understand what the Word says. We need to seek the heart of God on things before we jump into stuff. All right, number 20, the, the mercy uh, gift person intercedes for the hurts and problems of, other, of others. Thank God for that. When they pray, when they intercede, they, they lay their heart on the line. They are, they're going after God's presence, uh, praying for that need. So you know it's not going to be some, heartfelt, uh, some heartless uh, prayer. It's going to be a heartfelt prayer. And it's not 
unusual for them to be moved to tears as they intercede. All right, so those are the 20. So what you do now is you do, do some fast math, add all that stuff up. And then on your profile sheet, you can mark that. And we've gone through perceiver and server, teacher, exhorter, giver, administrator, and mercy. And you can see there, uh, you have three slots there for your primary gift, your secondary gift, and uh, secondary gift number one, secondary gift number two. Now, let's touch on some of the trouble, uh, trouble issues that can come up with, uh, with the mercy gift. And it really has to do with maturity. When we are immature, it, our gifting can, can mess us up a little bit. But as we mature, uh, it really, it, it grows stronger. There's some other characters with the gift of mercy like Ruth and Joseph and Jeremiah. And by the way, though, if you ever want, those of you online, all these are online and all the notes are there. If for some reason over these weeks you've missed one of these giftings, I want to strongly encourage you to go back to the archive and check it out and walk through it so that you know exactly what your gifting is. All right, so how the gift of mercy can, uh, how people with the gift of mercy can misuse their gifts. All right, so number one on the back side of your paper, and this really relates to maturity level. So as you mark this, you'll be able to see how mature you are with your gift. So, fails to be firm when necessary. So those with the gift of mercy find it hard to be firm because they don't want to hurt or offend people. So very often that lack of firmness only causes greater hurt and disappointment. I've already touched on that. We've got to bring correction when it's necessary. And, and not only that, it's, it's our responsibility that when we see a brother or sister struggling with something for us to address that. And who better than a person with the mercy gift? They're going to be gentle and loving about it. But we've got to uh, we've got to be able to do that. Number two, a person, an immature, when there's immaturity involved in this, takes up offenses that the, for those who have been hurt. Have you ever run across somebody that, that had the mercy gift and someone they care about got hurt and they took up the offense? Oh, I can't believe that they did that to you. Now I'm offended. And it's been mentioned that we got to be very careful about taking up offenses because someone will be offended, and then that offense is passed on because of someone that, that, that has a mercy gift and loves them, and then those two will make up and get everything under the blood and be okay, but these people out here are still offended. And that, that just causes issues. Okay, number three bases decisions on emotions rather than on reason. We cannot base our decisions on emotions only. We have got to base our decisions on the heart of God and the Word of God. Amen? That's first. All right. Number four. Promotes improper affections from those of the opposite sex. And I'll explain why that is. Because people with the mercy gift, they are understanding, they're sensitive, they're good listeners, and that can, with immaturity, that can, uh, that can cause 
just in, improper relationship. Uh, they're, they're, we've got to be cautious with that. And we always say, you know, men need to counsel with men and women with women, okay, to avoid anything, uh, any, any issues like that. All right, number five. An immature person with a mercy gift cuts off fellowship from those who are insensitive to others. We are not supposed to be cutting off relationships and burning bridges. We're supposed to be building them. Amen? Amen. We're supposed to be reaching people. Okay, number seven. Sympathizes with those who are violating God's standard. This can be a problem. An immature mercy gift person will sympathize and even find themselves encouraging or trying to remove pain and say, it's okay, you're going to be all right. When they are, that person is, is violating God's word, that is not the time to say, oh, you're going to be okay. And listen, Paul uh, strongly rebuked the Corinthian church for that same behavior. There was a brother that was, that was living in immorality, and they were just kind of like sweeping it under the rug. Right? And Paul wrote to him, said, no, you're in the wrong. That brother has to be handed over so that God will deal with him and bring him to repentance. People with the mercy gift can fall into that, into just comforting instead of, uh, of rebuking in love. All right, number eight, uh, establishes possessive friendships with others. Again, it's on that note of since they want a, a, a mutual commitment and they're not getting that same commitment with, with an immature person with the motivational gift, those relationships can become possessive. And that's, that's not healthy. Okay, number nine, tends to be indecisive. So it's an immature mercy person. It's, uh, they have a hard time making decisions the word tells us that our yes is supposed to be yes and no is supposed to be no we need to be able to make decisions and and stick to them especially when we go to the lord first somebody say amen and we see what the heart of god is on that on that issue and number 10 is easily hurt by others so no one gets as hurt as easily as one with the mercy gift because they're the most vulnerable. And with immaturity, they can be like hypersensitive to being hurt. So the very people who are, are good at, at relieving the hurts of others can be easily hurt if they're immature. And I'll just wrap it up with, with this. Um, first of all, just on that, add up your, your score there, and you'll see there that if you rank like zero to 10, you are walking in maturity with your gift. If you got from 11 to 20, you're growing in grace. 21 to 30, you're average. There's always room to grow. Amen? 31 through 40, you're immature. And 41 to 50, you need help. <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's all right, because you're in a good place if you need help. But let, let me wrap it up with, with this. And uh, next week, we'll be wrapping all this up real nice um, next, next, Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday night. But I wanted to end with this story of the Samaritan. 
we, we, see, um, we see that Jesus starts talking uh, to someone in response to this question, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but someone asked him, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds to him and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. And uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the person asking him, trying to justify himself, said, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus goes into this parable of the Good Samaritan. And we see here that there's a man that was on the road to Jericho, and robbers and thieves came upon him, and they beat him, and uh, they took all, their, uh, took all his money and left him for dead. And Jesus starts to talk about how three men came by. First was a Pharisee. He saw the person beaten, half dead, bleeding, hurting, and walked on the other side, said, I do not want to get involved with that. Then another came by, this, the Levite, saw the same scenario and walked by on the other side of the street as well. And then came the Samaritan, right? Comes upon the scene and sees the need and goes and tends to his wounds right then and there, puts that person on his donkey, on his ride, and takes him into town, puts him up in a place, stays with that person that night to tend to him. And the next morning, gets up, goes to the innkeeper, and gives money to take care of the needs. And then Jesus says, who do you think his neighbor, who, who do you think the neighbor was? Who acted neighborly? And they said the Samaritan, right? So all three men had everything within their possession to meet the need that they came upon and only one man did something about it, the Samaritan. Now, this is the thing. You and I, we have people in our lives, in our neighborhoods, and sometimes even in our home, in our workplace, in society, that life has beat them half to death. The enemy has stolen from them, and they've been left there half dead. And God has given us everything that we need to be able to meet their need to do something about it, not just to pass by and say, I don't know what's going on, but to meet the need, to get in there and do something. That's why God has called you out of darkness into light. And not only that, has deposited his spirit in you and his Holy Spirit in you and put giftings in your life so that we don't just pass by society and do nothing, but that we jump in there and do something to heal, to encourage, to change a life. You have everything you need to be able to meet the needs of the people that are broken and beat up around you. So let's do something about it. Amen? I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.